WebmasterRadio.fm. Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. And good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, your host, Kevin Ryan. And uh, we've got a pretty couple of, uh, I would say, exciting guests today. Um, Our first is uh, Mr. Jason Burnham. Are you there, Jason? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we have ignition. This is a perfect thing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in your world. Right. Um, you've got. Uh, I mean, you've got a pretty impressive bio here. It's just kind of scary. I'm just reading through it here. <laughs> um, you've managed over a thousand. Uh, personally, managed over a thousand online media campaigns. That and is you're correct. still sane and, and not overdosing on prescription drugs. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. No prescription drugs, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so since uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, mass transit in a minute, but let's talk about your new venture and uh, what are you up to as of uh, summer of 2006? Sure. Um, actually, I mean, you know, with Burnham Marketing, really what I decided to do is to go into independent consulting with primarily focusing on digital communication channel development. And what that essentially means is, is focusing in on strategic planning, understanding how consumers are consuming different types of media, and developing strategies on how to best communicate to consumers within certain environments at the right place at the right time. Um, and still doing media planning and buying, um, as, well as, do, as well as coming in and auditing companies' processes to help refine their overall interactive process. Um, and really, you know, based on my experience, it allows me the flexibility of being able to work on, you know, various types of projects as opposed to just working strictly on online media. So it's, it's strictly the, the consulting gig and, and uh, very much kind of a, a time materials kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I, I, I find that it's, it's, for me, it's also a lifestyle issue. So, you know, because of, you know, because I do like to work with agencies, I do like to work with marketers, I do like to work with publishers as well as technology companies, it allows me the flexibility of working with different types of companies across the industry on different types of projects, which also stimulate me. So what kinds of projects are you working on now? Uh, for instance, right now I'm working with uh, one agency to help um, develop their interactive capabilities. So coming in and doing a full assessment of how to integrate uh, in digital marketing into their, their, their traditional online agency or traditional offline agency. Um, so how, how to build out their capabilities, working with their clients to bring them really into the new age because they haven't brought their clients into uh, interactive marketing just because they haven't had the capabilities. So establishing processes, helping to find the right people to staff and build their division. Um, another company, which is a, actually an a interactive agency, um, or rather reputable, large interactive agency, uh, I've been brought in to actually audit their processes and create overall efficiencies in their, in their processes to help their overall workflow. Um, and then I'm also working with another company, a grassroots company, to help define, um, develop new measurement programs for grassroots and buzz marketing help refine that a little bit because, you know, as you know, today, grassroots and buzz marketing, there's been a very limited metrics on how to quantify performance. Yeah, absolutely. What am I doing these days? Well, I'm, uh, we're, we're, we're doing viral marketing. Nobody's really (laughs) sure what the hell that is, but we're going to do that. 
So that's that's interesting because I, I mean I spent uh, a good part of my life going out and educating people about search and, and particularly in the large agency world. Um, you know, and, and it, it's an interesting experience from the perspective of you have a group of people uh, taking as an example the the agency that wants to bring their clients into the interactive world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how do you walk in there and? You know, I guess the question is, what's the first thing that you tell them beyond, welcome to the new age, Mr. Flintstone, thanks for coming along for the ride? Well, I think the first thing is, is you know, because I think, you know, for the, you know, to date you have a lot of marketers, especially if they're, they have, they're not that sophisticated when it comes to interactive. You know, they kind of come in, they think they put a certain budget against Internet, and that becomes, you know, a discipline itself, Internet. You know, and that's one medium. And the first step I take is actually educating my clients on understanding all of the individual digital channels. You know, understanding that there's search, there's online, you know, there's, there's content sites, there's RSS, there's mobile, um, there's in-game, you know, there's all these desktop applications. So there's all these different ways, different mediums within interactive and understanding that the way consumers utilize each medium is different from one another. And you have to develop creatives, you have to develop um, marketing plans specific to each channel in order to develop this well-rounded communication plan um, for interactive communication plan. And what I like to call, I like to call it the, the surround sound marketing experience. And when you have, you know, especially younger consumers now being bombarded with thousands of different messages a day, how do you break through that clutter? How do you provide a well-rounded experience to get your message across and make sure that you're, you're, you're impacting your, your target consumer? So from, from the agency perspective, uh, yeah, I mean, you go in there and you just run me through what it takes for, just from the top-line perspective, uh, what it takes for an agency to, to all right, we want to go full-blown interactive. Um, these are the steps that we take. In terms of how they handle it internally or positioning? Yeah, sure. Internal, uh, internal structure, uh, the sure. mindset to the people involved. It's, uh, I've often found it's, it's very difficult to take uh, the, the traditional media groups, the traditional yep. creative groups, the traditional uh, account services people, and just bring them up to speed. I mean, and there's right. definitely got to be a, a pretty hardcore plan of action in, in place, I would think. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's, there's four key divisions to running an interactive division. One being your higher-level digital strategist and new business person that can really come in and has the experience, can really drive a strategy for any one particular client. Then you have your day-to-day account managers, which would still help drive a lot of the day-to-day strategy, but overseeing the, their, their team um, as well as being relation, managing that day-to-day relationship with the client. Then you have your media planner slash buyer. Some agencies will separate planning and buying, but for the most part with Interactive, we always find planning and buying to kind of reside within the same individual. Um, that would then deal with all of the websites, negotiate all, you know, negotiate the plan, actually determine where advertising should be placed, um, and also maintaining those publisher relationships to stay abreast of all new opportunities. And then your campaign management, which, you know, for, for, to dummy it down, I would even just say ad operations. But, you know, in terms of campaign management on the agency side, it's not just ad operations in terms of trafficking and reporting, but it's really d- diving into analytics. It's being able to have a, uh, a technology and flash background to be able to troubleshoot creatives as they come in to make sure all the necessary tracking components are within creative, working with the client to implement the right tracking tags on, the, on their site um, to assure everything is tracking um, on the back end. And also if there's brand studies, working with um, 
working with any of the, the third-party brand study providers to be able to, to implement the surveys and so forth, and, and then being able to do post-campaign analysis of the campaign, and they would work in conjunction with the account manager to really drive that client relationship. So I, th- you know, I, I find that you know, by having those four key pieces is essential on any one particular interactive account. That's pretty sharp stuff, and it's going to take a while to get the uh, to get a program like this executed. Um, for an agency, let's say uh, fifty people in the traditional world, let's say it's a direct uh, director, full service creative shop. How long would it take them to get up to speed and and uh, get implemented? Um, I mean, I guess it really, I, you know, it really depends on how they approach it. For instance. You know, with, one, with my one client right now, who are trying, who's trying to build out their interactive capabilities, they've basically they have one person that has kind of been doing everything. Um, they haven't, like I said, they haven't been very active in interactive, but they've have one person that's been primarily juggling account management, media planning, as well as trafficking. Um, and I, you know, and I say trafficking because they they haven't really been able to get that sophisticated in terms of analytics and tracking. Um, but I've basically been brought in to be that strategist to help them out with new business as well as being able to help out with media planning and buying, and then being able to develop processes and also hire. Um, so that's actually been a pretty good solution where if you can bring in one person that has the experience to kind of, you know, at least, least get you started. Because what you also want to do is you want to manage cash flow, especially in agencies, you know, let's say a traditional agency the size of 50 people. You know, interactive can be very overwhelming, especially if you pick up any one of the trades these days and you start hearing about all these different mediums. Oh, podcasting this, RSS that, search this. And it can be very overwhelming for somebody that has not, you know, in terms of breaking through the hype and really understanding the dynamics behind, behind running an interactive uh, division. Um, you can at least have somebody that can come in and help drive that, that initiative and then scale accordingly. So as business comes in, you know, how do you scale at that point? So being able to, you know, it's okay. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of times agencies don't want to outsource, but it's okay to outsource a little bit to get ahead and to help manage cash flow. Um, obviously, if the money's there, I would, I would revert back to what I was saying in terms of what you need for an interactive division. Start out with one team. You know, hire, you know, hire let's say, a media director. Get an account manager, media planner, and a campaign manager. And then from there, as, as that team becomes busy, you can scale accordingly by hiring additional teams to manage those new accounts that are coming in the door. So what kinds of things are they outsourcing, and, uh, and how do they, you said some things are okay to outsource. What are some examples of, of some things that absolutely don't have to be in-house? Um, well, I'm a firm believer that most of it should be in-house, um, which is why even as a consultant, I'm more of an in-house consultant working with the teams on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, it, a lot of it comes also down to the sophistication level of the client and what the client's expecting from your agency and what the client's sophistication level is in terms of interactive, the granularity of reporting. Um, I would say that, you know, in some sense, certain media planning and buying can be outsourced. However, you, you know, and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of contradicting my philosophy, but the reality is you have a lot of marketers that still plan their interactive initiatives in silos, meaning that they do one campaign at a time, they plan one campaign, see what the results are, and that's it, boom, move on to the next campaign, as opposed to really developing, let's say, an annual digital communication strategy, which really does, you know, build every, you know, build each campaign off the other and, you know, running through this, you know, cycle of optimization from campaign to campaign, which when you're, when you're doing it the right way, it really is essential to have those, those media planners in-house to really grow with the account. Um, but in m- most cases, though, you still have clients planning from one campaign to the next, 
And in those instances, you know, you can find a media planning, you know, media planning or buying agency to outsource to and have them plan on one, you know, one campaign here or there. Also, too, you may have certain clients that just aren't as sophisticated as other clients that you may represent, and you may just want to outsource certain media planning, um, you know, to maybe the less sophisticated accounts. Ad operations, um, to some extent, can be outsourced. I mean, you know, there's, there's plenty of companies that actually are, are offering those capabilities um, and doing it well. Um, I've always found that ad operations and campaign management, real, it is really necessary to keep that in-house. I actually find that to be more important to keep in-house than even media planning and buying, um, primarily because you know, the, the, the tracking components that go into it, the ongoing optimization, um, depending on what types of reporting is being required, looking at day-to-day reports, and really that's where I find the majority of the work comes from with an interactive campaign. It's on the back end. It's on the campaign manager once the campaign is actually live. And more so than anything else, I think that's where companies excel in terms of their competitive advantages from one agency to the next is on the back, on their back end manager once the camp once the campaign is actually up and running. Do you think those are 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 clients asking for that information in RFIs today? Are they asking what what are you outsourcing and, and how much of this is in house? Um, we get a lot of RFIs, but those aren't the kinds of questions that we get. Uh, but at the same time, I would think it would be important uh, for a client to know this. And, and do you teach them how to address those kinds of issues as well? Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I think it really comes down to the agency themselves. Um, for instance, you know, uh, like I said, one of my clients is building their capabilities. They're not hiding anything from their clients. They're going right in and saying, you know, we've hired Jason Burnham to come in as from a higher-level digital strategy position as well as helping us to scale our interactive capabilities. He's basically an in-house consultant. He has his own company, but understanding that he's here as, as a resource to you and he's going to be working on your account, um, you know, hands-on. And, and, and all the clients have been fine with that. They understand that. And I think, you know, a lot of clients, yeah, a lot of it comes down to what that agency and client relationship is. Um, I find that if there's a strong relationship with the client, you know, it, they, the way it's been positioned is that, look, we want to make sure we're doing the best job for you. You know, and, and, and this is not to, to kind of, you know, to, to, uh, it may sound a little bit arrogant, but the position that, you know, clients have been taking is saying, hey, Jason Burnham is not somebody that we can go out, you know, would be too expensive to go out and hire as an in-house employee. You know, he's, you know, he's managed his own agency, he's sold off his own agency, starting his other company. However, he's one of the best in the field, and we want to bring him on to help build, build a very strong capability. We'd rather go with the best as opposed to mediocre. And that's really the position agencies take, and clients actually appreciate that. Well, I mean, it would be very expensive to helicopter you into the city every day, I would think. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, that's no, no, I drive. I, mean, I, pay, I pay my own transportation. <laughs> <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, it sounds like uh, Burnham Marketing is off to a great start. Uh, where do you see it going in the next uh, year or two? Um, actually, well, the, re- the reality is within probably the next couple of years, my goal is to actually free up six months out of the year to travel and live in other countries. So that actually was one of my primary reasons to going independent consulting to allow me the flexibility of traveling more. So I would say I plan on, you know, I, I plan on continue to grow my business, but I do not plan on growing another company again and hiring employees and staffing up. I really do want to just be that, that resource to companies um, on an as-needed basis. <laughs> well, since you mentioned it, uh, where are you planning on going? Um, I've been looking at, uh, I've been, uh, I, I'm, you know, it's, a lot of it is, is real estate driven, so I've been looking at the Dominican Republic, Brazil, Panama, Curaçao, um, really looking at, really focusing on the Caribbean and South America. 
All right. Well, you just just don't avoid or or count out uh, Dutch St. Martin because that's uh, that's a beautiful. Oh yes, I do want to go to St. Martin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Curacao is my you know Curacao is the first place for uh, for the Dutch Caribbean for me. I you know I, th- I think that's a good place to go. Uh, you can you can meet the Yoda guy. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, I was in St. Martin a couple of uh, oh, about a month ago. And uh, I strolled out of my hotel. We stayed at the the Passengrahan Guest House, uh, which is this old, dirty, really shabby place. Uh, I mean, it's I mean the smell just reeks of of 1920s Dutch St. Martin. And I walked out the front door, and I hear the Star Wars theme, and I was a little bit freaked out. And I walk <laughs> over, and there is is Nick uh, Nick Malley, one of the guys who. Uh, who was creating Yoda, and he set up a little studio down there. So are, are we going to see the Jason Burnham studio in Curacao at some point? And, and what would be there if you opened up a little shop just to get away from things? Um, actually, if I, was to, if I was to open up a business somewhere in the Caribbean, it probably would be a little, little bar restaurant on the beach somewhere. You know, pretty cliche, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, you know, a much bigger break from uh, the advertising world. Okay, just don't call it cocktails and dreams. No, well, not. Um, <laughs> because th- that would just go overboard in the cliche scale. <laughs> so you, but I think you, the reality you, is my focus is on on rental properties, so I think that's really where I'm going to be at. <laughs> absolutely. So you you've launched this new company. It sounds like you're doing very well. It sounds like you have uh, a, a lot of things going on. Uh, there are a lot of us out there who are either being a pr- have have started our companies in in uh, the last year or so or or two years or three years, and now it's time to talk about being purchased by another firm uh, mm-hmm. or have some level of funding. Um, what kind of advice would you offer to those guys? And I'm going to try and dig into your experience a little bit more here. Um, but uh, we're, we're getting to the point. You, you, we're the company out there. We're getting to the point. Where we need to take some funding, or we're you know being approached by several other agencies to be acquired. Uh, what kind of advice would you offer to an owner of an agency or or to a group of owners? Sure. I mean, I'm probably I'm probably the the worst person to give this advice. I mean, primarily just you know for everybody's purposes to give a little background. Um, Mass Transit Interactive was um, a, a digital agency that myself and my partner Jason Heller had started back in 1998, and we literally started out of our apartment in Brooklyn. And the one thing we realized is we either needed to stay profitable or we wouldn't be able to pay the rent. <laughs> and we always had that mentality as entrepreneurs that, you know, we were never going to take funding. We were always going to stay, you know, stay private and make sure that we were self-funding it ourselves. So from day one, we had no choice but to be profitable. And as we grew, and, and just like, you know, everybody else, when the bubble burst, we had a downsize, just like everybody else across the industry. But we made sure that we maintained profitability where there were even times when myself and Jason wouldn't even take a salary for months at a time in order to get ahead and make sure that we were managing our business appropriately. And then as the industry turned around, our business thrived again, and we literally aligned ourselves with Horizon Media. Um, We're at the time where we were partnered with them to provide interactive capabilities on the back end for them. And we literally just cultured a very a very wonderful relationship with Horizon. Um, and at that, that point, when they really got to understand our capabilities and really understand the value that we had to offer, they came to us with the offer to actually acquire us to become their interactive division, which is now Horizon Interactive, which Jason Heller still manages and, and operates today. Um, but for me, I've, I've never been a fan of, of going out and trying to get funding, especially as a, as a small shop. 
others, I'm sure, would, would, would squash me and say, no, 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 we need to go out there and get funding, but that's just never the, been the position that we, we've taken in terms of building a company and selling it off. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are, it, it depends on the, the type of organization that you're trying to build. I mean, at some point, I mean, you, can, you can definitely build an agency without, without funding. Um, you're just going to do it a lot slower, I, I would suppose, than, than than some of the others who who have gotten funding. But I've seen some, as I'm sure you have, some real disaster acquisitions and some real disaster uh, funding scenarios where you basically end up with a, a venture firm taking control of of this thing that you've created, yep. and they know next to nothing about the business. Absolutely, and, and I mean, the one thing I would just kind of add to that, I mean, the, one of the reasons we didn't, never, we never wanted to get funding is because we wanted to maintain control over the company. The one thing that we valued more than anything else were the, the people that worked with us, and we always wanted to make sure that we maintain a certain culture and environment to help our help our our business thrive. You know, this business, you work, you know, you work, you can work some very crazy hours. The last thing you want to do is have people work very crazy hours in an environment that they don't like or can't stand the people that they're with. And we, we, we felt that was so important to driving the success of our business that we did not want to lose that control to anybody else. And that's, uh, that's the biggest thing. And, and trying to maintain a corporate culture, particularly in a, in a smaller environment, is not fun. No. Uh, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can definitely get into some, some problem areas there. So we have about a minute or so. We're going to run off to break here. Um, if there is uh, one piece of advice that you would give uh, to, to the man sitting in the in the driver's seat of an agency now that uh, really wants to adapt or, or build out some level of interactive presence, uh, where would you start with him and, and what would you say to that guy now? I would say treat your treat your employees right. Manage your clients' expectations, and if you don't have the capabilities in-house, bring in the right people to help you out. Excellent stuff. Well, we will get into, I want to get into a little bit more about uh, acquisitions, funding, and building a company, uh, but I believe we're just about ready to head out to a break. So thanks for joining us. I'm Kevin Ryan. CEO of Kinetic Results, uh, an online agency, and I am here talking with Jason Burnham, the famous, the world-famous Jason Burnham, uh, who has a resume and rap sheet, let's say, uh, that is second to none. Uh, Jason is currently the CEO of Burnham Marketing, and uh, Jason is doing a lot of independent consulting. Uh, to help agencies, to help companies in our industry come up to speed on the interactive universe and everything from agencies to publishers to marketers to what else, Jason? Did I miss anything? Uh, you know, if, if you want to do something digital, give me a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> All right, so we will be <laughs> back in just a moment. Sit tight and don't move. Ad Tech Connect. We'll be right back. Click 
tracks. All new version 6. Prepare to segment your visitors and build custom reports on the fly with the most comprehensive and intuitive web analytics programs on the planet. Dan Noyes, president of Zephoria.com, writes, Click Tracks is like a religion to us. We rarely consult our clients on site or campaign changes without first seeing what Click Tracks reveals. Sign up for your free trial today. Your only risk, you may end up in our next commercial. ClickTracks.com, turning your future into a fortune. It's all about links, baby. Content is king, but links are what you need to get you those all-important organic search listings. Float to the top of your keyword listings within the major portals while driving targeted traffic to your website at the same time. Work with a company with a proven track record for delivering results for thousands of individual website owners and major Fortune 500 companies. TextLinkAds.com is your source for securing relevant links. Baby, TextLinkAds.com. WebmasterRadio.fm proudly presents... AdTech, the world's largest interactive marketing event, blows into Chicago July 24th to the 25th, delivering to you the perfect composition of powerhouse keynote speakers, industry-intensive panels, and interactive workshops. Secure your presence at AdTech Chicago so you, too, can be equipped with the instruments and know-how needed to be in concert with the rest of the interactive marketing industry. Visit www.ad-tech.com to register today. Captain's Log, Stardate 8130.3. Starship Enterprise on training mission to Gamma Hydra, Section 14. Identify for retina scan. It's Monty Khan. Khan, you've got Genesis. But you don't have me. You are going to kill me, Khan. You're going to have to come down here. The masses are starting to get online and get their identities and find new ways to make money in the marketplace, and I think they're all aiming their guns. You have a tendency to express ideas in military terms. Mr. Khan, this is a social occasion. Well, they are party animals. They do throw uh, some of the best parties in our industry, that's for sure. Evaluation, Mr. Spock. Crude methods, but effective. We posted our booth up next to uh, a booth that's giving away beer. How appropriate that is for you guys, huh? Hey, I've taken care of everything. Now, all you all got I do just relax. Doctor's orders. If I don't see you next week, I'll see you in two weeks from now. Same time, same place. Khan, how do we know you'll keep your word? I promise you, be the master of your domain. Khan! Khan! <laughs> don't incur the wrath of Khan. Listen to Domain Masters, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on webmasterradio.fm. Back to AdTech Connect, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. And we are back. Another exciting day on uh, webmasterradio.fm. And I am joined with, uh, joined now by Drew Iani. Uh, Drew, did I pronounce your name correctly? You did, you did. A, a man that uh, is about to be, if he's not already, very famous in the industry uh, by taking on a very big post at one of our favorite trade shows, and I'll let uh, I'll let you talk about that, Drew. Uh, but basically, uh, to give you a little bit of background on Drew, he was the CEO of Atmosphere, 
before that, uh, you were an analyst at Jupiter. Correct. Uh, Jupiter Communications, now Jupiter Media Metrics. And you worked with uh, P&G, General Motors, CBS. So you have all of the uh, alphabet, uh, looks like all the letters of the alphabet there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you, before that, you were an interactive agency, is that right? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a uh, an interesting path to where I am today. I, I started out on the West Coast at an agency called CKS, which was one of the sort of pioneering interactive marketing shops in the mid '90s, and getting everybody introduced to interactive marketing in the first place. And uh, even though I'm a West Coast native, I always wanted to live in New York, so uh, I made the transition to New York in 1998 and uh, ended up as an online advertising analyst at. Uh, Jupiter Communications, which uh, I think then became Jupiter Media Metrics, and then it became part of Meckler, and then it was Jupiter Media, and now I think it's Jupiter Kagan, actually. Um, from there, I went to Wall Street for about a year. I was a self-side equity research analyst at Lazard Flair, so I got to watch the internet collapse from the investment banking side, which was the which was an interesting viewpoint. Uh, <laughs> uh, from there, oddly enough, from Wall Street to running the interactive group at BBDO, uh, always people always ask me about how I managed that transition. But uh, um, you know, it was a tough time. It was you know roughly 2000 into 2002, so uh, it was uh, a bit of a tough time. But uh, um, you know, we managed to reintegrate with BBDO, and uh, a lot of good things happened in a pretty tough environment. So. Um, went off on my own for a while, and then uh, now here I am, uh, you know, attempting to fill the very big shoes of Susan Bratton, who, you know, um, you know, I, I, you know, obviously she had a lot of help in, in terms of logistics and coordination, but uh, Susan's really kept ad tech going, quite frankly, and uh, especially through the the lean dark years, uh, it's just through Susan's sheer will and energy has uh, you know kept that tech going and and now that sort of the industry is back as we say um you know we're all enjoying the rewards of uh ad tech being a very strong brand with a very bright future so uh kudos to susan i think she's listening out there so um she deserves a big big rounds of applause from from every every corner well, she she is she is out there, and somebody is bouncing quarters off her butt. Uh, yeah, I think that's <laughs> somewhere that uh, that became uh, became the credo. Somehow, somehow, somewhere, we have to bounce quarters off Susan's butt, and I, I have no idea where that came from. But uh, I'm sure that I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Yeah, I'm just so going to leave I, that alone altogether. <laughs> absolutely. So I was I was watching the internet collapse from my condo in Newport Beach. So I've kind of moved around a little bit myself. Um, so you're, you're coming into ad tech. Ad tech is tremendously successful uh, on the heels of Susan's uh, obvious tremendous success in uh, in making ad tech what it is today and helping make ad tech what it is today. Uh, what are your plans for the short term, and uh, how do you want to shake it up? Yeah, I think in the short term, it's. Uh, I feel like I've walked into a, uh, a tornado. Uh, we have the Chicago show, which was more or less programmed, you know, by the time I arrived, and and I didn't have to do, you know, too much really. Um, I get to show up in Chicago and get introduced, but uh, you know, any last minute wranglings there, and then we have the New York and Shanghai shows coming up in uh, November and October, respectively, actually, and there's a ton to do there. So uh, right now, it's uh, you know. Swimming in the deep end and, uh, you know, getting up to speed on everything and, 
but it's been uh, a challenging but very enjoyable process. So the short term is making sure, you know, Shanghai and New York are, you know, the, the best shows possible. And to Susan's credit, I, I walked into a New York show that was pretty much 80% programmed as well. So we're just sort of rounding it out. Um, and then it's starting to think about, uh, you know, there's a couple strategic things. I guess one is the, the global expansion of, of ad tech, uh, you know, at, at least from my purview for, for Asia Pacific, um, and lots of interesting things happening out there. Uh, and then, yeah, what do you do with the, the North American shows? I feel pretty lucky in the sense that I'm walking into a, a brand that I would consider very strong um, and is the clear market leader. Um, and sometimes that can be challenging as well because what do you do with a, with a brand that seems to be coming on all cylinders? And my answer to that is it's you know sort of the Andy Grove philosophy of always being paranoid. Um, uh, I, I've said it to a lot of different people internally and externally, and I, for, for those of you out there who remember Internet World and what a pretty good conference it was in the beginning, and then it, it died around a tragic death. It got so large and, and so dominated by, um, you know, sort of the pure exhibition part of it that uh, quality speakers and quality attendees stopped going. Uh, and as ad tech gets larger, um, you have to be very vigilant about that and, and make sure that, you know, uh, and, and there's a lot of different things or different, you know, things that I mean here when I say this is, is ad tech not becoming internet world. And, um, yeah, you have to keep <laughs> it fresh, you know, you have to, uh, you know, uh, rely on the community and your board of advisors and people that you talk to every day and saying, you know, Hey, what would you like to see? And, you know, what, what, you know, what's something different that you want to see? What's a different angle we can take? Um, you know, maybe we, we come out of left field with, uh, with some keynotes in addition to, you know, sort of our, our industry peers that, uh, that, uh, that we have as keynotes and we should, but maybe every now and then we, we throw someone out from left field and, and give it a bit of intrigue. I think Susan's a big fan of Ted and I think you can see, you know, where she's tried to bring a little bit of, of the TED conference, uh, you know, to ad tech. I think we need to continue to do that and keep it fresh and interesting. I, you know, to use more of a youthful term, I think continuing to add a little bit of bling, if you will, around, uh, around ad tech while always understanding that our, our, our bread and butter and our focus should always be on the highest, highest possible quality programming. And, you know, at the end of the day, people need to come and learn at ad tech. If they, if they don't feel like they're learning anymore at ad tech, we're all so crazy busy, and just taking an afternoon lunch is like, oh, my God, I'm going to be away from the office for two hours. We're asking people to come away for two or three days out of their office, and uh, they have to feel like they're getting value, and they have to feel like they're going to learn. So those are the things I'm thinking about. Um, you know, I'm not walking in with any sort of major decisions or big changes or anything. I think it's, uh, I think it's more about tweaking a brand that is strong as opposed to doing wholesale changes to a brand that's weak. Uh, so that's sort of how I see it. Yeah, in, in in one respect, it's it's great that you that you're walking into something that's firing on all cylinders. On another, there's a there's a tremendous amount of pressure there uh, to keep it moving and to keep it, you know to raise the bar. Yeah. Uh, because you know, I mean, one could say that uh, the the only place you have to go is down from here. <laughs> that's uh, right. The industry's back. Everything's going great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, it's uh, it's something that that has to keep going, and and uh, you have to struggle to innovate. Uh, yeah. 
and I, and I think I think how you defense that if you're me and and you know making sure that I don't fall out of the tree is that you really have to rely on the community. You have to rely on your friends and associates and colleagues and even strangers out there in the community and in the business because it's very easy for me to get into a vacuum for me and and the people that help me program this to think that I know everything that's relevant and all the issues and topics and subjects that we should be talking about. I, I need to know from the community about what we need to be talking about. I certainly have my own ideas and, you know, I think this would be interesting. And I think that's how I'm, I'm going to focus on sort of, you know, defending, <laughs> defending myself against uh, the sort of, uh, you know, uh, there, there's only one way to go and that's down. Uh, and I think the, the way to, to keep it going and, and hopefully for me to be successful in my job is to, you know, rely on a lot of people to help me do my job. And, um, you know, that's, that, that's how I'm, that's my philosophical approach, I think, moving forward. Well, in the paranoid chameleon is, is also a, a very smart way to kind of keep yourself on top as well. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that uh, I mean, I've been doing the speaker circuit uh, for for probably too many years now as well, uh, and I'm also on the advisory board. So you can rely on a lot of support from your advisory board, yeah. uh, and and a lot of the ideas can come from there. And and if you need to flush out ideas, it's a good way to go. But I think one of the things that separates ad tech and and a lot of people don't realize this. There are a lot of shows out there that uh, in one form or another do what we refer to as selling the panels. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically for the un- unindoctrinated, it's uh, you sponsor the show, you're speaking at the show. Uh, and that's not something that's that's happening at AdTech. So I, I think it's a good idea to, to probably create some line between that and what's happening on uh on on some of the in some of the rest of the shows, uh, I mean, and even some of the more popular uh, industry organization-driven shows, they're selling the panels. Yeah, um, and I, I think that's something that uh, that is really important for for listeners here to understand, for for people coming to the show to understand. There's actually a process behind qualifying speakers, and there's a lot of work that goes into. Uh, creating these shows and programming these shows. Um, so, I mean, take us through a, a day in the life of Drew uh, from from the morning to the evening. What are you doing and what's going on there? Yeah, and I'll, I'll first address the selling the panels and then I'll get into my day. And, um, you know, it's something that I've been aware of from day one. There's a lot of discussion about it. And, and I've experienced this before as, a, as, a, as an analyst on Wall Street where you have a, a you know you have and you're supposed to have and some firms have stronger chinese walls than others and some have little doors built into them and you know so i I've, I've been in that situation before where as an analyst you know you're you're supposed to be objective um you're not supposed to be influenced by the bankers uh and but at the same time you also know that there's the best way to say it, that there is a dialogue between the two and of course there has to be so my personal policy on it is we will never sell a panel I mean that that's just we lose our editorial integrity, you know, immediately. Um, you know, having said that, of course, you know, in terms of exhibitors and sponsors and and people who are help pay, uh, paying our bills, um, you know, do you take do you take a first look? Do you take a, you know, if you know, sure you do. I mean, of course, but at the end of the day, um, you know, even if they're quote unquote a friend of ad tech, they still have to have something compelling to say. 
you know, even if even if you get a first look, even if they've been a longtime exhibitor and sponsor and they're they're sort of a friend of AdTech at that level, and we're always open to looking at their speaker submission, that doesn't mean it's automatic. You know, it still has to be editorially editorially relevant. They, the speakers have to be good and and they have to be able to communicate well and they have to have something to say. Um, so you know, it's. It's just one of those issues that's out there. It's always going to be out there, and I do think other um, conferences, you know, do sell the panels. Um, and will you see speakers from our exhibitors and sponsors on our panels? Sure, of course you will, um, because a lot of those people have very interesting things to say. And but there will never ever be um, a quid pro quo um, in ad tech, and and you know. I'm pretty firm about that. What, the, the moment we sell one out is the moment we start losing our editorial integrity, and then we're we're really screwed. To be quite honest about it. Um, <laughs> from, well, I mean, the, the second that the that starts happening, uh, you, you know, the, you're you're losing uh, the the quality of the show, and that's that's very very evident in the, the quality of the content we've seen in some other shows. I mean, who is this guy? He's got nothing good to say. Yeah. Uh, and it, it looks like I mean I, I'm getting a sales presentation, sure. uh, and that's not why I paid a thousand dollars or whatever the fees are these days. Absolutely, and you know to be quite honest about it, I mean whether it's a vendor or a smaller company that really wants to try to get on a panel and things like that and and tell their story. I don't have a problem with someone telling their story if it's an interesting story. You know, just you know when you tell the story, sort of turn down the sales spin. That's all. You can still communicate what your product is and what it does and tell your story and not sound like a used car salesman. It's entirely possible. Um, and you know, with these guys, most of them understand that. Look, if I'm in their position. I would be pushing as hard as I can and figure out every angle to get my company out there. And they should ask, <laughs> you know, we're going to say no, but that's their job is to, to get that company out there and to turn up the volume and the noise on their product and service in any way they can. Um, and it's within their right to ask and it's within our right to decline. And that's just how it's going to be. And, and you know, 95% of them understand that and they don't have a problem with it. You, you, you do a nice gentle pushback and say, you know, it's just not possible. If you have something interesting to say, put it in a speaker submission, and absolutely we will look at it. Um, but by and large, most of the folks have been, most, you know, exhibitor sponsor things like that. If, when you do push back and say, we just don't do that, they understand. And it's really, I think it's, it's, a, it's a big, it, it's, it's perceived as this big sort of, you know, point of tension. And I really don't, at least not yet, and it's not to say we're not going to, Come up against it again. I, I don't. I don't see it as such. I think if you're open and honest with people, then, then you're going to be fine. Um, so that's that's how I see it. It's a beautiful thing. Well, uh, we have about two minutes left, um, and uh, I, I have to say, uh, you know, for somebody that's been involved with ad tech uh, for a few years now and has suffered through the nasty years with going to the show and uh, helping out wherever I could. Uh, I have to say on behalf of the, the rest of the advisory board, welcome aboard. Uh, and uh, certainly we're, we're going to uh, definitely miss Susan, uh, but it sounds like we've got uh, somebody pretty sharp who's going to be coming in here and, uh, and helping out and, and keeping this show rolling. 
I appreciate that, and it's it's really great to be on board. And and uh, you know, thanks again out there to Susan. And Susan's not completely disappearing. She'll be the chairman emeritus. She will. Uh, she's she's always so great about being available to me. And anytime I have a question or want to pick her brain a little bit, I know she's there for me, and I appreciate that. So Susan's not Susan's not going away. She's just uh, kind of hanging around in a different capacity, and she's going to be there to uh, to help all of us out. And I'm just very excited. We got you know we have a fantastic foundation to build on and the future is uh, future is very bright I think well at some point we, we all have to kind of take our hats off and say uh, thank you very much to Susan who's who's uh, tireless efforts in, in bringing this show around and again suffering through the nasty years uh, has really been a benefit to uh, and, and really touched the lives of, of so many people in this business so uh, a big hat off to to Susan and a big welcome uh, to Drew, and I think we're just about out of time. All right, so again. thank you. Thank you very much for joining us, Drew, and uh, we'll time. see you uh, in Chicago, you uh, followed by New York, or followed by Shanghai, and then New York, right? Uh, Shanghai, then New York, and uh, just my last thing, if anyone has any comments, you know, opinions, whatever, I'm Drew at ad-tech.com and always love to hear from everybody in the community about ad tech and, and, you know, where we should go with it. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much for joining us, Drew, and we're just about out of time. Thanks again.